I would certainly encourage everybody to apply for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. It's a $10,000 grant where pretty much everybody who applies, every, every business can apply for it. In theory, I did it myself yesterday. I'm waiting. They said in three days, you'd have the money. Today on the special Friday bonus episode, we're talking all about the CARES Act and how to navigate it. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell, and I'm joined by the nag, Natalie Ann Graff. How the hell are you? I'm feeling naggy today. You're feeling naggy today. Natalie, the past, what, week or so, you and our bookkeeper, Linda, have been going back and forth trying to understand the small business loans that have come about because of the coronavirus, the COVID-19 pandemic. And as of Friday, actually the date that this is airing, Friday, the April the 3rd, Registrations will be open online for the CARES Act, which is kind of, I guess, a forgiveness thing, an employee, keeping employees at work, forgiveness-y kind of loan thing. And that's really the extent of my knowledge on the subject. So today we have a guest who is actually a tax accountant. His name is Aaron Smiley. And he's actually the husband of one of our Wingnut social clients. That's how we got in contact with him. And we thought that someone smart like him could help us navigate this because it's a little overwhelming, right? Tell us a little bit about what you've learned in this past week or so going back and forth with Linda. That I need a drink? <laughs> that we need several. Um, what I've learned with Linda is just like anything else, okay, so I do most of the books here at Wingnut Social and Darla Palantiris. I'm like, oh, this can't be too hard. So I opened it up, started filling out some stuff, and I'm like, I couldn't figure it out. It wanted this and then it wanted that. And I'm like, wait a minute, but what am I? But wait, what's this? And it just, it was like completely overwhelming. And I decided, you know, this is above my pay grade. And I, I sent Linda a text. Linda has been absolutely wonderful for us and, and helping get all this information. I mean, we have to have tax returns from 2018 all you know, scanned, ready to go. All our cost of goods have to be done. All our everything has to be done. Basically, we would need to have ready to file taxes for 2019 or have already filed our business taxes for 2019 to have all of this information that is needed for this loan. So we were playing a little bit of catch up. I think we can safely say that we probably didn't have to file that extension for April 15th, but we did. <laughs> but who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about today's guest on this special Friday bonus episode, Aaron Smiley. Not only is he married to a brilliant wife with a amazing interior design business and with terrific business sense to hire Wingnut Social, he's also an MBA, an MST, and an enrolled agent, EA, a federally authorized tax practitioner who has technical expertise in the field of taxation, is empowered by the U.S. Department of the Treasury to represent taxpayers before all administrative levels of the IRS for audits, collections, and appeals. I'm already way above my pay grade. I'm already, my mind is already blown. <laughs> he began Smiley and Associates LLC in 2010 with the goal of offering his expertise in the areas of taxation and compliance to individuals and small business owners with a special emphasis on restaurants, retailers, creative businesses, hello, that's us, medical practices, and law firms. 
Wingnut, help me in welcoming Aaron Smiley to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Aaron Smiley. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am doing wonderful. Aaron, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. I know it's tax season, and now all of this that we've been talking about, about the stimulus package that's out, and you're probably pulling your hair out. So thank you for taking the time to talk (laughs) to us. And last minute, no less. Yes. My pleasure. You and I were talking in the green room before we started, and you told me that, when is this airing? Okay, what's going to happen? And we're like, okay, it's going to air Friday. This is when the loans are going to start being accepted and all of that good stuff. And you said that you did a presentation today and already by this evening that there were a few changes. So this is recorded Tuesday, March 31st. So we are going to try to help you guys learn something and get the knowledge that you might need to help apply for this and Aaron's going to enlighten us, but double check in case something may change. That's our little caveat. uh, Listen, we're everybody's crazy. And we know that Congress just passed this relief aid for us. The CARES Act. The CARES Act. Yes, the CARES Act. So how specifically can it help small businesses like us? This is actually a, a very large piece of legislation. And given the bickering and the infighting that we that we have and the partisanship that we have, I think that this is actually a very good piece of legislation. There were several tax provisions that were put into the act, but the main one, specifically this phase three bill and specifically this CARES Act, there is what's called a payroll protection program. Essentially, what this is supposed to do is keep people on payroll. This is the main piece of the legislation. And I think that the two parts that we should talk about are the loan itself, the program itself, and then the forgiveness of the program itself. I like the sound of forgiveness. So the goal of this is to keep people employed. But I know several designers, right when this started coming out, already preemptively laid off Mm -hmm. employees. Does that hurt them in any way for this going forward? It actually does not. Part of the legislation actually takes into account that there are businesses that have made severe layoffs. Okay. And there is a provision where as long as you bring people back up to a certain level and you have until June 30th to do that, oh. then a lot of the loan again is going to be forgiven. Can we put that in Natalie Amish terms? Yeah. Natalie Amish terms was, let's say I decided to three, four days ago told Darla, Darla, you're no longer with us. Go away. We're going to have to lay you off. Yeah. And if I decide Thank after, God. if I get this payroll protection and it's implemented in my business and a couple weeks later, I say, okay, Darla, I was wrong. You need to come back. We have the funds to support you now. I have till June 30th to do that. So this is kind of like a, and for those of you old enough to remember a choose your own adventure book, this is kind of like a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> So what you just said, yes, is true. But to take a step back, the main component of this payroll protection program, essentially, is that you are allowed to borrow up to two and a half times. So the equation essentially is you have to look at what your average yearly payroll costs were, okay, over a 12-month period. And the payroll costs consist of wages that you paid, any independent contractors that you paid, which is certainly common in the industry, any health insurance that you paid to your employees, and any retirement benefits. Those are the main pieces, okay? So you're going to sum up all of that over a 12-month period. You're also going to include the owner's compensation. Not to get too much in the weeds, but depending on what type of entity it is, whether it be a single-member LLC, whether it be an S-corporation, the owner 
gets a going wage. So the owner's pay is included in that. Just to keep it very simple, let's say your average total of all those items that we discussed was $10,000. You would be able to borrow $25,000. Okay, you're able to borrow two and a half times the amount. So you get the $25,000. And part of the provision says that if you use that on payroll, now you are also allowed to use it on rent. You're able to use it on utilities. You're able to use it on interest. And if you use it on all of these items, then the amount can be forgiven. The caveat is that you have to keep people on payroll. So if you don't have enough payroll, if the payroll is too low or you cut salaries too much, then that portion will not be forgiven. Okay. So if makes sense in your situation that you just gave, if you fired three people, but hire the same three people back or three different people and bring the payroll numbers essentially up to the pre-February 14th numbers, February 15th is the date of the disaster. So as long as you, by June 30th, bring the payroll back up to those numbers, then the whole 25000 is going to be forgiven. Just to make sure I understand. So it's really based on the number, the payroll numbers. It's not really employee specific. As long as you're replacing that position in the workforce with that salary, you're good to go. Correct. It's not necessarily you have to have the same people. It's you have to have the same amounts and you have to have the same number of employees. The safe harbors is you are able to cut salary, but not by more than 25%. So again, in our example, and to keep it simple, let's say you only had the one employee and their payroll was 10000 You are able to decrease their payroll to 8000 and still qualify for the full relief. So in that same example, if you were able to borrow the 25000 and you paid somebody $8,000 for two months, because again, this whole idea is it's only in effect for two months. It's supposed to be eight weeks of relief. The idea is that maybe that will be enough. And if not, then they may have to go back and come up with another bill to give us an extension of time. But in the same example, $25,000, you paid $16,000 in wages, and you had $9,000 to use for rent, all of it would be forgiven. I got a little confused there, right? Okay. I didn't. He's basically saying that this payroll protection program is for eight weeks. Okay. And then if, if all of this is not blown over and life isn't back to where it mm-hmm. was three weeks ago, they may have another bill or pass something else to go ahead and give us like an extension. But isn't it it's two and a half times the annual payroll? The monthly average. Okay, I missed that. Okay, so it's two and a half times the monthly average too. And you can use, I say, so they buffered it by the 150% or however it is. Math is not my strong point. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Sure. To cover rent. Electricity. Okay, gotcha. Aaron, you understand why... uh, Hashtag wingnut. Linda and I take care of this right now. I mean, that should give you a tiny bit of insight why she's not allowed to touch the books. I don't touch the money. I mean, I do use a calculator at work, but, uh, (laughs) you know, to understand this, again, this is why we have a job. Let's say we're a brand new designer that's just getting started and they have poured their heart and soul into this business and has only been open, let's say, three months just for fun here. And they have one person on staff, but they have not taken payroll, have not paid themselves because they are turning around and putting absolutely everything back into the business to keep it afloat and pay their employee. With this payroll protection program, you can't start paying yourself in the middle of this, correct? Well, again, not to get too complicated, but depending on what type of entity you are will depend on how the owner is going to get paid. So if you're an S corporation, then the owner has to pay themselves a salary. 
and you're going to be treated as an employee and you're going to get a W-2. If you happen to be an LLC, either a multi-member LLC or a single member LLC, the owner is not taxed on the draws that they pull out of the business. If the business made $100 and you took 30 out, you're still taxed on 100. Gotcha. So essentially for the owner's compensation, you would have to look at a tax return or a profit and loss to figure out what that was. So if you, if you weren't paying yourself before and you're just breaking even and you couldn't just start paying yourself then. Correct. Exactly. Because it's a 12-month look-back period. Gotcha. Okay. So it's not a windfall <laughs> to suddenly start making money every week. So Aaron, how does this compare? And besides the forgiveness part, how does this compare? Because I know Linda has started uh, and Natalie started a process with just a, an interest-based small business loan that had arisen. Was it from the corona situation, yeah, Natalie? Or it was that, small, okay. it, the Small Business Association was starting to give out loans, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like Aaron had said earlier, everything is changing all the time. Right. And so by the time you could apply, for that. This came out. This came out. Okay. So all of these, even this payroll protection program, all this is governed by the SBA. So all of it is still governed by the Small Business Administration. Okay. So the the funding mechanism is your bank, your local bank, whether it be Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, HSBC, whatever the case may be. So the Small Business Administration is not funding these loans. Your bank is. So you will go to your bank. And part of what we discussed earlier with what changed this morning, there were no applications. And then this evening there were applications for this mm-hmm. payroll protection program. Gotcha. Each bank though has the power and the control to change the terms of the deal. So in our other example, any portion that is not forgiven turns into a loan. Okay. And that loan is payable to a maturity. Everything that we had read, everything that we'd seen before was a 10-year maturity level with an interest rate of less than 4%. That's what everybody was kind of basing their idea off of, again, at least this morning. The application that came out today said that it had to be paid back over two years at a 0.5% interest rate. So each bank can control the length, but the business owner has a serious decision to make because a 10-year payback period and a two-year payback period are very different. (laughs) Even at half a percent. That's a chunk of change. Yeah, that is the chunk of change. There are other loans with the SBA. I would certainly encourage everybody to apply for this one as well. There's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Okay. Essentially, it's a $10,000 grant where pretty much everybody who applies, every every business can apply for it. In theory, I did it myself yesterday. I'm waiting. They said in three days, you'd have the money. Natalie, have you done that? No, I just text Linda to apply now. <laughs> exactly. I would go, go online uh, right now and do it. There is no requirement to pay it back, and it doesn't prevent you from entering into the payment protection plan either. The one caveat with getting the 10000 though, is you can't double dip. So essentially, if you receive the 10000 grant here, you're unable to also exclude and be forgiven for 10000 So essentially, they don't want you getting it twice. Oh, I see. Okay. That makes sense. Everybody should be applying for this, especially if it takes uh, only three days to get the funds. Yeah, for sure. Because my concern with the payroll protection program and the funds, a lot of people are going to be applying for this. And a lot of banks are currently working with a skeletal schedule, skeletal staff. They're not going to have enough bandwidth to review what probably will be tens of thousands of applications. So I don't know if, you know, the Treasury Secretary last week said on Friday, being this coming Friday, you'll be able to get your money. 
I don't know how practical that is. I don't know how quick this is going to happen. What I would advise, knowing what is involved in the computation, I would go back and get your tax returns. I would get your payroll tax returns. I would get your records of who you pay 1099s to and get everything that would be needed for the application together and make sure you put forth the strongest, most accurate application. And from an account, you're going to have to check your math. Make sure you're able to substantiate everything that you're claiming. The other caveat, salaries in excess of 100000 do not count. So if you have somebody on payroll that you paid 150000 you can only get the relief up to the first hundred. That makes sense. So back to the little payroll protection and, and the owners, the LLC and, and whatever, when you- The S-corp. The S-corps mm-hmm. and all of that good stuff. What about the money that the members of the LLC put into the business? That's considered capital. So when an owner puts money into a business, it's either considered capital and capital contribution, which is equity, or it's considered a loan, which is to be paid back. Ah, Those are the only two options. So the money that you put in is not income. When you pull that money back out, it's not income to you. And most often you're starting a business. I mean, I would think that most service business oriented companies are, unless you have a lot of employees or unless you're building out a space, the barriers to entry are pretty low. As an interior designer, you just say, I'm an interior designer. I've got a website. I've got an email address. You know, I mm-hmm. can maybe initially start working from home. You're in business. There isn't right. that much upfront cost compared to starting a restaurant where you've got $500,000, a million dollars worth of build out. You've got 20 employees. You know, the, the upfront costs may not be so, so high. And what I think this disaster will do is, you know, create a different type of employee. I mean, there may be a lot more, and again, specifically with this industry, there may be a lot more virtual interior design sessions. That is what's happening. Designers are pushing their e-design services and their virtual meetings right now. And I I have a feeling that when this is all said and done, we get back to some sense of normalcy that that's going to be a new vertical for them to have in their their businesses. They're going to, you know, we got so good at this with systems and processes, and this is a really nice little... Um, lower line revenue maker, I'm going to keep it. Aaron, I have a question because I know you said anybody can apply for the economic injury disaster loan, but what about the payroll protection program? I know that we're kind of basing this on the interior design side, but you know we have other listeners that aren't interior designers. Who's not allowed to apply? Is that maybe the easier question? There are thresholds. Uh, if you have above 500 employees, uh, you're not allowed to apply. Pretty much everybody else is allowed to apply. I think our audience is safe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. The audience, <laughs> the audience is safe. Small businesses, independent contractors, sole proprietors, they're all eligible to apply for both the economic injury disaster loan and for the payroll protection. Even if you don't have staff, if you don't have employees, the payroll protection can be used off of your own personal earnings. Now, backing away from that a little bit, if you don't have employees, if you only use your earnings, but over the next three months you have no clients and you have no business, then the amount is going to be a loan and you're going to have to pay it back. This isn't free money necessarily. It's not a handout. It is a way to preserve the workforce. It is a way to build a bridge from companies being able to go from not being able to afford payroll to being able to afford payroll and to stay in business and to remain a going concern. I mean, again, I would imagine that this is probably a a big coming to Jesus moment for a lot of businesses. Where, you know, maybe they say, you know what, I wasn't really happy doing this. I don't want to do it anymore. You know, that's going to happen. You're going to see people saying, you know, I'm done or I'm ready to retire. It's, you know, it's not worth it. Maybe this exactly a come to Jesus meeting. Yes, Natalie. 
So this question is coming uh, via text message here. From, from our bookkeeper. <laughs> from my bookkeeper. The E-I-D-L. That's what I'm supposed That's to ask That's what she you. said. That's what yeah. you're supposed to ask him. Supposed to ask him. Yes. So the E-I-D-L is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Right. That loan is a loan and the 10000 portion of that becomes a grant. That specifically, actually, is better if, if you just started and you don't have any employees that economic injury disaster loan would be more geared for you. Oh, okay. So off the bat, you have the 10000 and then you're also eligible for additional loans. So the Small Business Administration is putting out these loans with very favorable terms, very low interest rates. Again, I mean, loans have to be paid back. So the the decision from the owner has to be made. This is a blip. This is a bump. I can get through this. I just need a little bit of a bridge. I need two, three months buffer, and then we're going to be back up and running. A lot of people don't like debt. They're deathly afraid of debt. Debt-averse. A big percentage of our audience are solopreneurs that are by themselves. Who So we're saying the economic injury disaster loan is going to be their cup of tea. Yes, but the solopreneur is also eligible for their wages. So if the solopreneur was profitable last year, they could use the portion of their wages into the formula to get the two and a half times what they could borrow. Sweet. So- <laughs> Let's dumb this down a minute for I think me. I'm getting an aneurysm. <laughs> Do you have a headache, Darla? <laughs> <laughs> Only six so, feet away from me. Right. So the economic injury disaster loan, that's a $10,000 grant. But So I understand this. No, wait, if, is it a grant or a loan? It's a grant for the first 10 grand. So that when you apply, you're essentially asking for a $10,000 right away, and it, it is a grant. It will not be. It does not need to be paid. Gotcha. Okay. So let's say we decide, you know what? Ten thousand, yeah, that's that's great. I really appreciate that. But I gonna I need to go ahead and move this into a loan, and let's say get fifty thousand mm-hmm. just to cover all bases. Does that make us ineligible for the payroll protection program? No, getting an economic disaster loan does not make you ineligible for the payroll protection plan. Amazing. Uh, again, the only caveat would be if you get the ten thousand dollar grant, mm-hmm. then essentially the forgiveness portion is less 10,000. Yeah, it's going to be either the grant is granted or you know, you're going to have so, to pay 10 yeah. somewhere. So, okay, I got it. I, I understand now that that was Amish language. I got it. <laughs> sure. Some companies may be getting $80,000. So if you were getting 80 and you used it all for payroll and 80 of it was going to be forgiven, if you previously in a couple of weeks earlier got the economic injury disaster loan, then you would only get 70,000. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. I kind of want to know about taxes because mm-hmm. we have payroll taxes, um, deadlines for March 15th tax. There is a payroll tax deferral. That was one of the provisions that was also in this act. This is something that I actually, I, I'm not a real big fan of. I understand the short-term motivation for putting this in place, but what needs to be known and, and, and really stated emphatically, owners are personally liable for payroll taxes. And sales taxes as well. So this is another issue where interior designers or other individuals that do have to charge and collect sales tax, last month when they were due, they were hoarding it, they were holding it, they didn't want to remit it. Owners are personally responsible for that. With the payroll tax deferral, if you opt to defer the payroll taxes, and let's say the business never recovers and you go out of business, you are now personally liable and responsible and on the hook for those payroll taxes. Ah. So there are certain things that I think you cannot pay and get away with it. And there are certain things that you absolutely have to pay. And payroll taxes are one of those things that fall into the last. That would really suck. Yeah. So everybody listening, pay your damn payroll taxes and don't skimp. Pay your payroll taxes. Do not withhold. Do not skimp out on payroll tax. So again, I understand the short-term kind of cash crunch position to say you could defer the payroll taxes for a year 
or for two years, but I wouldn't recommend it's that. It's dangerous. That difference <laughs> is not, it is because that difference is not going to be the difference between being in business and not being in business. You know, that's a really good point. And thank you for saying that because I bet there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, well, payroll taxes, they're a bear to pay. I'll just put them off to 2021 or 2022. And if you're not in business then and you're personally, you know, have to do that, oh, that's going to suck. You know, it's one of those things, and, and really all of this also, you don't want to make short-term decisions that have long-term consequences. It's very difficult, especially in the environment that we're in, to take the emotion out of the decision-making process. Especially now, we're all anxious and nervous, and there's a certain uncertainty that we're all facing right now. And it may be easy to make a decision, and just like, oh, no, I'll defer it, I'll pay it later, I'll catch up, it'll be fine. That's not the right decision to make. So if at all possible, you know, take a step back before you make any of these big decisions because they could have serious ramifications going forward. There is something that would make such a huge impact and determine whether or not you stay open or whether you close. And maybe you do happen to have a, your second come to Jesus meeting and think, okay, you know, am I really, is my heart really in this? Is this what I really want to do? Would I really rather be retiring and, you know, sitting by the lake and fishing or, and so yeah, that's, I don't want to be responsible for federal taxes. Two years from now, that's for damn sure. If she sits by the lake and fishes, I think I will probably die. I don't fish. We have more issues if you're... Yeah, if she's sitting by a lake fishing, we've got bigger problems. I don't like to kill the fish. <laughs> I mean, the retirement... I mean, I want to be retired when I grow up. Yeah. That's what that, that's what I'm aiming yeah, for. Yeah, same. So some of these other... I think we'll just talk about maybe two or three other ones. Sure. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So th- this provision actually is more for people that are doing a build-out. And with the industry at hand, certainly the interior designers, they may be very familiar with, you know, walking into a space and whether it be commercial, it actually, in this instance, it it does have to be commercial. But if you're redesigning a restaurant, if you're redesigning a building, the costs for that are substantial. And part of the previous legislation, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, what they did, and it was really a glitch for rushing through the legislation, there was certain property that was 15-year qualified improvement property. And in the past, that was able to be 100% deducted with bonus depreciation. The glitch left that property out of the equation. It was no longer subject to bonus depreciation and had to be depreciated over 39 years. <laughs> so I know a lot of you know heads must be spinning right now thinking about all this. But essentially, if you spent $500,000 to build out a space, in 2016, you could deduct the whole thing. Once this change came in, you had to depreciate it over essentially 39 years. So it was a a big tax difference to not be able to take that deduction. So part of this tax provision in the CARES Act corrected that, and it reclassified that type of improvement to be subject to bonus depreciation. As a result, you're able to go back and file amended returns and pick up the extra deduction. So if you had paid tax in a previous year, you're able to file an amended return under this provision, and possibly get some money back. So it was one way to get additional funds back in, which I think is a good thing, fixing a mistake. Wow, that's actually a really, that's something I never would have seen coming. That's a nice little bonus and something that if you didn't have an expert like you walking you through it, that uh, you would be very easy to miss. Well, I think that was on page, you know, don't quote me on this, (laughs) but page 700 of 830. Oh, you know what? I only got up to 699. So, Yeah, most people quit at around 550, (laughs) so you did better than most. What else have we got? Uh, Another provision, and, and this is actually very applicable to today, would be charity and the enhancement of the charitable contribution. In the past, also before the act, 
you could only deduct essentially, and if you itemize, not to get overly complicated, but you could deduct 50% of your income. So if you made 100,000, you would be able to only deduct 50,000. I mean, if you gave 60, you could only deduct 50. Mother Teresa has given her whole salary away. She can't deduct the whole thing. Now they're saying you could deduct 100% of your earnings. So Mother Teresa died a little too soon. Is what you're saying. Mother Teresa died a little too soon, but some of the other people that are charitably inclined, and we work very closely with the hospitality industry. The hospitality industry is in a lot of trouble. And there are a lot of people that want to give to that industry. There are a lot of people that have been fortunate within the industry to help. This provides an opportunity to give additional money to a charity where you're able to get an additional tax deduction. The other benefit is in in the past food inventory. So a lot of these restaurants, they're going out of business, but the fridges are full. Here in New York, it's total lockdown. So restaurants are closed. Some are only uh, allowed for takeout. So what do you do with all the food? Only 15% of the value used to be able to be deducted. And now it's been increased to 20%. So they're, they're trying these things to make it a little bit easier to put a little bit more money back into the pockets Again, I come back to it. This is very, very sensible legislation. It probably won't be enough by itself. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we're probably going to have to come back and do more, yeah. but it is, a, it is a wonderful start. Isn't that something we're saying $2 trillion probably won't be enough? It's like it's not even real. And if there was $2 trillion for this over a day where it was voted 96 to zero, <laughs> all in favor, right. and this is not at all a political statement, but there are things that can be paid for. Uh, you know, if we spent maybe two billion on preparation for this, maybe we wouldn't have spent two trillion <laughs> yes. now getting ourselves yeah, out. Of it. Exactly. What I'm hoping that comes out of this is is truly an awakening of what's important. You know, universal health care, all the debates that we had to watch, universal health care, how do we pay for it? How do we pay for it? The money's there. Yeah, clearly. I mean they 90, just ninety six to zero, it was just exactly. voted two trillion. So the money is there. So, you know, I'm hoping that this kind of shines a light on areas that need to be focused on. Healthcare industry, food industry, poverty, a lot of things can be fixed and changed. And hoping that this is the reckoning that, you know, in a way that we needed to really open our eyes to see what we can do to make a a real impact and real change. Well, it's definitely showing us how vulnerable we are, our infrastructure and just everything, how much we rely on just keeping this this machine going. Yes. And Bill Gates predicted it. But Natalie has another question from Linda. Yes. Linda's been <laughs> blowing my phone up here. <laughs> we actually have this kind of question kind of in number 12. So this lovely stimulus that we're supposed to get from the government here, if we would take that money and decide, you know what, I don't need that money. I'm going to go ahead and donate that money can we not be penalized on next year's tax return? Can we go ahead and write the stimulus? Hey, we gave all of this money over to the White Lion Cafe to so she can run her restaurant and do takeout and take care of her employees. Can we write that off next year on our taxes, the full amount? No. So in order to take a deduction, the money that you're giving to the recipient has to be a charitable organization. Okay. So they have to be a 501c3 organization in order to get the charitable deduction. Okay. So your neighborhood restaurant, no, it's just, you know, it's, it's doing good. It's helping, but there is no charitable deduction for that. Who are we donating to? Where'd I'm Linda just, get that question? I'm just saying, if, if someone decides that they get their stimulus packet, they get the check mm-hmm. from the IRS and mm-hmm. they say, you know what, 
I don't need this. This person needs this worse than I do, and they give it away. It has to be a it has 501. to be a five o whatever he just said C three. But to take it even a step further, if you don't itemize your deductions, then you're not getting a, de- a benefit from the charity anyway. So true. If you want to give, give. That's kind of how I usually put it. Mm-hmm. And the stimulus, a lot of people are calling it a relief payment, not a stimulus payment, because it's really not being used to go shopping. It's not being used to stimulate the economy. It's being used to, again, kind of plug it. The tax deadline was changed. In my industry, we're kind of trained both mentally and physically to work unbelievably hard and unbelievable amount of hours up to April 15th. Right, And we've had a couple of years where it goes to April 16th and 17th because it falls on a Saturday and that's like the worst year possible. But now the deadline has been moved to July 15th. Okay. So the extension we just filed <laughs> was for not for nothing. Not necessarily because the extension, if you just filed an extension, the extension is still good to October. So the push of the deadline went from April 15th to July 15th without interest, without penalties, without having to tell anybody that you're doing it. It's given to everybody. If you need more time to October, then you still have to file a regular extension. Okay. That makes sense. But if you're getting a refund, you could file tomorrow and get a refund. What we're actually advising our clients though, is if you have the means and you have a balance due, pay it now. You know, there's no need to wait for the sake of waiting. Both locally, not only does the Fed depend on the revenue, I mean, taxes being revenue, and they plan on getting that by April 15th normally, states as well. You know, we were just talking about $2 trillion was just spent. There are relief payments going out. Payments aren't coming in when they normally should be coming in. And and we have to come up with medical equipment and give money to the states and hospitals. So we are all in this together. And if you do have the means, I think that we kind of are, are socially almost socially required to make the payment. I agree. I think it's it would be a very patriotic thing to do at this point, too, considering that, you know, they're going to absolutely need it. Let's go back to the EIDL. So besides wage proof, what will we need to show after receiving the loan for the $10,000 grant? The $10,000 grant, you don't have to show anything. Okay. The EIDL, the loan that you put in, the 10000 is really just $10,000 of cash in your pocket. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to show anything. That's it. The payroll protection program that you do essentially after June 30th, that is when you will have to provide all of the backup canceled checks that you paid on rent. You're going to have to show bank statements. You're going to have to show payroll tax returns quarterly. You're going to have to show profit and loss statements because you're going to have to be able to justify the amount that you're looking to be relieved from. Teacher, I have a question. <laughs> I'm raising my <laughs> hand. Okay, we work from home for Darla Powell Interiors and Wingnut Social. Would rent be a portion of the mortgage in that case? Linda already writes that off on the taxes. That- I'm, ask- I'm asking Aaron. <laughs> there is the home office deduction. Yes, okay. Um, that you're able to take. Now, that portion of rent is not inclusive of the rent component for the reimbursements. Okay. Because the rent that you're paying is not a business asset. It's your personal rent. Okay. If you go to a rent, if you have a building, if you have a workspace outside and you pay rent to that place, that rent would count. But your home office is a personal asset that you're using for business. So you are able to take a deduction for that. But that rent portion cannot be included as part of the reimbursable amount. What about utilities? Again, home utilities, you know, it's your personal name that is in, you know, Con Ed up here in New York, FPL down by you guys. Mm -hmm. Because it's personal, I don't think that you would be able to include that utility portion. 
Actually, the amount that can be forgiven, there is an eligibility for a portion of rent to be forgiven, for utilities to be forgiven, and for the interest to be forgiven. So it isn't an all or nothing test. If you do pay wages, you're able to get forgiveness on wages. However, if there are no wages paid, then you are eligible for up to 25% of the amount that you spent to be forgiven on rent, on utilities, and on interest. So again, if you were able to borrow $100,000, you would be able to at most use $25,000 for rent, utilities, and interest. Those amounts may be more than that, but that's what you're limited from a forgiveness standpoint. So what would stop somebody from going and renting a office right now and, and using that money for rent? The relief portion comes from payroll, not from rent only. So mm-hmm. even though you have rent, if you don't reach the threshold from relief with the payroll portion, then all of it becomes a loan and all of it has to be paid back, right? So like the rent portion is forgiven only if, and this is again, the choose your own adventure. I'm so glad it's all coming back to choose your own adventure. (laughs) The rent portion would only be forgivable as long as you have enough salaries that you paid in order to forgive the whole portion. You got that, Natalie? I do. Are you too tired from working no, at the fire station? No, I'm still thinking because, okay, so we have a new business three months in. Let's say they took out a $10,000 loan for that business and they're paying $500 a month to the bank that they got this loan from. Will any of this relief help with that $500 loan payment? You can use the relief to pay for interest and you can use it on relief of interest for a debt that was procured prior to this event happening. You can't use it for principal. You can't use it for mortgage. You could use it for interest though, and you could use it for interest on a debt. But again, if you're borrowing it and you only end up paying interest and rent, and there's no portion that you pay for payroll, it will all be converted to a loan. Okay. Makes sense. The loan portion is not a bad idea. You know, I don't want people to be greedy or thinking that, you know, this isn't good that, oh, I'm going to have to pay it back. Right. Normally, an initial early stage business would not be able to get any type of loan because there's no financial history. So this at least is providing an opportunity, again, for cash infusion, which is really, it's the concept of the whole uh, CARES Act. It's a cash infusion. And whether it has to be paid back or not is almost secondary you know, to the benefit of receiving the money. That's true, because it, it is hard for small businesses to get money, and the interest rates on these two are, are incredibly competitive. So, I mean, or if, if like half a percent, three percent, they're terrible. It's low, right? Per the lo- uh, the actual language in the law itself is it's up to a 10-year payback period and below a 4% interest rate. So maybe it's two years, maybe it's five years, maybe it gets up to 10, depending on the institution. But again, a, a, an initial business that's just starting off, and we deal with it, we see it all the time. They have a very hard time getting a loan because there is no financial history. Natalie, are there any more questions from the audience, Linda? Uh, no, I think, I think Linda, <laughs> Linda's gone quiet. Aaron, before I want to ask you, um, normally we don't do the What Up Wingnut round on these special bonus episodes, but I do want to give you one question that we did like for Jane Dagme, I will ask you, but I want to say, if, do we have any other points that we want to cover before I ask you this one What Up Wingnut round question? Or anything you want to add, Natalie? No, I really think that the uh, listeners need to know where to find Aaron. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Aaron, if someone needs help with this, are you are you available? Are you that kind of guy? Absolutely. You can reach out to us online. You know, we have an Instagram account. Um, you know, any questions, please feel free. Even though it's a busy time, we're certainly happy to help. And what is your website? Uh, the website is smileyandassociates.com. Okay. And it's the same on Instagram, right? 
it's Smiley Taxes. So Smiley Taxes. Y L E Taxes is the Instagram account, and then Smiley and Associates. Uh, so S M Y L E A N D Associates, all spelled out. dot com. Guys, this is all going to be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. So don't write and crash, as Natalie likes to say. You can just go there and, and look up the show notes. That was it. I think we've covered a lot. We've in covered one. a lot. Yeah, I think that's enough to get, get them started. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. I know Karina didn't prepare you for this one, but I'm. it's fun. I have to ask you, Aaron Smiley, if you were a golden girl, which golden girl would you be? Wow. That I definitely was not prepared for. <laughs> I think I would say Rose. Huh, you you and Natalie are both roses. Yes. <laughs> I, I love it. Rose. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us last minute here to give us this uh, latest information on the CARES Act and helping all of our listeners try to circumnavigate this complicated bill and relief act. And we, re- we really appreciate it. No, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope it wasn't too boring. No, not at all. I'm, I might have to take some aspirin, but um, <laughs> very extremely helpful. Oh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you My so much. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Natalie, if I ever needed a glass of whiskey. I think it's now. I think, I think it's these, now. Yeah, these numbers have really, and all this uh, information, it's pretty much uh, wingnut overload for you. It's wingnut overload. I, I didn't. I am walking away, though, way more educated about the CARES Act than I was going in, for sure. And I know our bookkeeper is, too. <laughs> she was listening there on the uh, while we were recording on the little third line there and... I think he gave us um, some really great information. I Mm -hmm. had no idea about the economic uh, disaster relief that you could just get trend grand. Um, The grant. The grant, Mm -hmm. right. But, I mean, it does make sense that if you don't use the payroll, you guys just listen to the episode, I'm just saying, in case you'd, like, fast-forwarded too far. (laughs) But it just – it makes a lot of sense, and he really kind of opened your eyes to Mm -hmm. now's the time to make the decision. Are we going to do this? Are we not? And don't don't defer your payroll taxes. You know, don't do that because it will sneak up on you. And and if, let's say, in six months you decide, okay, I'm done, you've got still six months' worth of payroll taxes that you've deferred. That you're on the hook for. You know, I'm really glad he said that because when I was looking at the deferred payroll taxes, I'm like, oh, that'll be really helpful. But oh, hell no. No, no don't no, defer no, no, nothing. No, no, no. I, I got to tell you, he's very, I, I love him. Really good. Not only do I love his wife, who's a wingnut social client. I don't know if I'm allowed to say she's a wingnut social, who she is. So I'm keeping Yeah, we're it, not going to say who I'm she is. I'm keeping it vague. But she's amazing. She actually is one of our most dear clients. And I really are grateful to her for letting us borrow her husband. I know, especially <laughs> at this busy time of year. I mean, you guys think about it. April 15th is tax day. And you know that anybody that has any interaction with an accountant, with anybody that's involved in any of this tax stuff, mm-hmm. that they pretty much disappear. But it's not tax until, day now. I know, but until April 16th, and he's he's mm-hmm. got all of that on top of it, mm-hmm. plus all of this Relief Act, which now taxes got postponed. You can you don't even June. have to file an extension until July. Which Is it July or June? It's July. July. Okay. So it's, it's wild. It's crazy. And I hope that we brought you guys some uh, useful information. As you know, this is a very fluid situation, and I wanted to just update you with the website to find the application for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and that is going to be at covid19relief.sba.gov. You can find that there. 
And of course, that will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast for this episode. Wingnuts, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our bonus episode on Friday. And if you have any questions that we can help you out with, we'd love to hear from you. Info at wingnutsocial.com. Obviously, follow us on all our social media channels at Wing Not Social. And if it's anything else, Darla, do you have anything? Yeah, give us a call at one eight seven seven Wing Nut and we can help your marketing in this tricky time because people are at home and they're just kind of twiddling their thumbs and watching the Tiger King and going through their social media. So it's, it's a great time to get in front of them. Absolutely. It's time to double down. You know, that's a little sound self-serving, of course. We own a, a social media marketing agency. Hello. You know, that's our business. But regardless of whether you hire us to do it, hire someone else to do it, or do it your damn self, don't give up on the social media. Get out there. Get in front of it. Stay relevant. Because this is all going to pass at some point, And you want to be top of mind. Absolutely. And if you've just got a question about it, shoot us over. You yeah. know, shoot, shoot, us us, shoot us over. Shoot us over. <laughs> shoot us an email. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll help you with it if we can help you. I mean, she has like her own language. Yeah, I do. Like, everybody's out helping other people. And if, mm-hmm. if we can help, we want to help. Call that, us. That, that is a true story. It is. She ain't kidding. All right. I think that's it for today, Nat. You got anything else? Nope. So long. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. It'd help if I turn on record, right? Good boy, Mango.